You are listening to Meat and Potatoes, a 12-week teaching series from Jubilee Church. Meat and Potatoes is an expression used to convey the most important and basic part of an idea or practice. This series will explore some of the most critical elements of Christian faith. If you would like more information about Jubilee Church, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. Well, if you are uh, new to church, baptism may be a bit of a weird thing for you. Uh, it may not be, but it may be. I know for me, uh, the first time I saw a, you know, a baptism in a church was kind of the similar experience to the first time I saw a prayer meeting in the church. It was that I was freaked out and nervous and thought maybe I'd walked into a cult and wasn't really sure what to think. I mean, you, you think about baptism, how we do it here, you know, we stand up and we say this is one of the biggest days for us as a church, very significant very memorable day for us here. We dim the lights and everyone's smiling and we look over like, oh yes, so special. And Some guy's in his t-shirt in a bathtub and, you know, some other guy's next to him with his hand on his shoulder. Just such a good moment. And, uh, you know, it's kind of weird. It's kind of a goofy thing to be baptized. I know, you know, one, after one service, uh, we had a baptism Sunday. I, uh, you know, went up to a guy who I knew was kind of newer to the church and I was like, Man, he must have just thought this was like the coolest thing in the world. You know, he just saw this guy get baptized. Probably, he probably wants to get baptized now, right? And I'm like, so what do you think, man? How, how was it for you? And he's, yeah, you know, it kind of reminded me of this thing I saw in this vampire movie a few weeks ago. And <laughs> okay, yeah. Kind of freaked me out a little bit. And I mean, I feel goofy sometimes as a pastor just telling somebody about baptism. You know, like, yes, what's going to happen? I'm like, well, it's going to be the biggest day of your life. You, you really want to, you know, pray into this and it's, you bring all your friends, bring all your family and like, cool, yeah, what's going to happen? Well, uh, you know, when you're a kid and you got like your buddy dunked you in the pool, that's pretty much what I'm going to do to you. Okay. I'm just going to shove you under, bring you up and then we're all going to laugh and cry about it. And so baptism, but on a serious note, you may, you may have been in the church for years. I mean, you may have uh, been a Christ follower for some time now and you may have been baptized uh, 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago. And baptism to you may be this kind of commonplace thing that you've seen it happen a lot and you, it happened to you a long time ago, but really, you know, it's maybe even lost its meaning uh, for you. And my hope this morning is that for all of us that we would walk away thinking, oh my gosh, Jesus has done amazing things for us. And we would walk away seeing our baptism not as just some event in the past, but really as a mile marker for us when God changed our lives. And so uh, we're gonna jump right in here with what baptism is all about. The best way I could think of to define baptism is that it's an outward expression of an inner reality of faith that you have been born again. It's a a dramatization of salvation by faith. So when you go down into the water in baptism, what you're declaring or what you're saying out is that Jesus has forgiven my sins. Just sitting in the baptismal tank alone, you're saying, "I'm I'm a sinful person, I need someone to forgive me. And when you go down into the water, you're saying, my old life, my old person, my old me, my old sins, my old deeds, everything about me that was before Jesus is being washed away here. You're actually saying, I, as a person, who I was before, that old man is dead. That old man no longer exists. But when I put my faith in Jesus, he killed him and he cut him off from me. And when I'm baptized, I'm saying, I'm burying that old man. I'm saying to that old man, you no longer belong to me. I'm putting you down under the water. And when you come back up from baptism, So when they lift you up out of the tank, what you're declaring is I've been made new by God. 
You're saying, I'm a new person. The old person who did all those things doesn't exist, but there's a new me. There's a new hope. There's a new life. There's a new faith. There's a new future for you. When you come up out of the tank in baptism, you're saying, I I am brand new. I'm a new person in Christ. Baptism is the declaration that because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, I can die, be buried, and be risen to life with Jesus. Baptism is saying that that event 2,000 years ago on Calvary, when Jesus hung on the cross for my sins and your sins, that can become my reality today. Baptism is saying that when he hung on that tree and he suffered and he died so that, he, so that you and I could be made right with God, if I just put my faith in him today, that's my reality in the here and now. Today, baptism has its roots in the love of God. If you look at Romans 5, just the chapter before where Jody read this morning, this is what Paul says about Jesus. He says, but God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What that says to me is that it wasn't when I cleaned my life up. It wasn't when I straightened myself out. It wasn't when I took the mess of my life and I became more religious with it. It wasn't when I finally said, okay, I'm going to stop doing this and stop doing this and stop doing this, that Jesus died for me. But it was in the moment of my most sinful being. It was in the moment that I was a sinner. It was in the the lifetime of me doing a life against God that Christ died for me. Baptism says to me that God loves me no matter how I'm doing. Baptism says to me that it doesn't matter if I am not a Christian or I am a Christian, God loves me and he wants to forgive me. Baptism says to me, so say I got baptized 10 years ago and my life's kind of went down the drain since then. I haven't been following Jesus as I should. Or even I was following Jesus last week and I'm not following Jesus today. Baptism says to me that while I'm still messed up, Christ died for me. Which means that if I begin to struggle in this Christian life, if I don't obey God as I should in this Christian life, if I mess up my life with God, I don't have to come back to him like a beggar saying, oh God, I've messed it up. Is there any way you could receive me again? But I can come back to God knowing he sent his son on the cross for me when I was at the worst of my worst. Baptism has its very roots in the love of God. Baptism is a declaration that God can handle all of your sin. It's a declaration that there's not any sin I can commit. There's nothing I can do to make Jesus not be able to forgive me. Romans 5.20, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. You know, I don't know about you, but oftentimes I think of God as kind of this really good accountant who never forgets anything. And he's always kind of doing credits with debits, right? He's always saying, okay, if you did a little bit of wrong, you need to do a little bit of good to make up for that. If you do a lot of bit of wrong, you need to do a lot of bit of good to make up for that. And if I were someone who I thought, you know what, I think I've done a ton of bit of wrong in my life. I might just come to God if I thought of him like that. And I might just come to God and say, God, I just don't know if you can forgive me for everything I've done. It may even bring me to the point of discouragement that I think, why would I even seek God in the first place? Why would I even desire for God to come into my life in the first place? Because all he's going to do is wag the finger at me and say, You've not, you're not good enough. You could never be good enough. You could never measure up. But, but here, what Paul says is that where sin increases, grace abounds all the more. So it doesn't matter how much my sin increases, God's grace abounds all the more. So if I come to God with a mountain of my sin, he comes to me with two mountains of his grace. 
If I come to God with an ocean full of sin, he comes to me with even more grace. That song we were just singing earlier where it says, mercy, mercy, as endless as the sea. This, this is what Paul's talking about here. What Paul's talking about here is that it doesn't matter if your, if your sin is as abundant as the sea. Mercy, mercy, it's as endless as the sea. That means that there is absolutely no one on earth who could ever come to God and God would say, you've sinned too much for me. I can't accept you now. But because of what Jesus has done for us, we can all come into his presence. And that's the reason that we sing hallelujah for all eternity. If you're here this morning and you are looking around and you're seeing people who are happy-go-lucky Christians who are raising their hands and clapping and dancing and they just seem all put together and good to go, let me tell you, they're not doing those things because their life is so cleaned up. They're not doing those things because they've gotten it all right. They're not doing those things because they're really good people and they're really happy about how religious they are. The people that you look around seeing who are doing that, the reason they're raising their hands, the reason they're clapping, the reason they're shouting for joy is because mercy, mercy, it's been as endless as the sea. The reason they're singing out, oh my God, you've saved me. Oh my God, you've forgiven me is because they realize as big as my book of wrongs was. So he loved me more than that. So he forgave me more than that. So he received me more than that. That's why when Jesus meets with the woman and she's weeping over him and she's weeping at his feet and the Pharisee comes along and says, why are you engaged? Why is she? He says, because she's been forgiven much. She loves much. Those who love Jesus much are those who have been forgiven much by him. The the promise, the hope of the gospel is not that good people become better. The promise, the hope of the gospel is that bad people become right with God simply by a means of his grace. It means that I have no room to boast in and of myself. I've done nothing to make myself right with God. I've only done things to make myself wrong with God. And as a gift, he's given me his son. If Adolf Hitler at the end of his life, were to come to Jesus, say, Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. Please forgive me. Jesus would forgive him the same as he forgave me, the same as he forgives you. There's no one who's too far from God. His hand is not too short to save anybody. If you're here this morning, you're thinking, man, I wish God would accept me. I wish I was good enough for him. There's a promise for you. If you put your hope in Jesus, he will, he will make you as white as snow. He will make you right with him. He says, all you have to do is be born again. All you have to do is believe in him. Come, Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. Jesus, forgive me, make me new in a moment. He does it. It's by his power, by his grace, by his goodness. I can't do that. You can't do that. We can't, we can't make ourselves a new person. It's only by the power and the grace of Jesus that we become new people. And it's this gospel, it's this message that no matter how much we've sinned, his grace abounds all the more. It's that gospel that makes Paul ask this question. Really, he's responding to a question somebody else asked when he preached it. This question in Romans 6, 1, 
It says, are we then to continue in sin? So if sin increase and grace abounds, why don't we just keep on sinning so that grace keeps abounding, right? I mean, that's a valid question. That's a good point. If I just keep on sinning more and God keeps abounding his grace more, why don't I just keep on with the whole sin thing? But Paul's response is, by no means. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? You see what he's saying here? He's saying before you came to Christ, you were alive to sin and you were dead to God. I know that's the story of, of my life. Before I came to Jesus, before I was born again, I, when, when I was sinning, although I knew in the back of my head, I knew, okay, this is wrong. I felt at home when I sinned. I felt comfortable there. It felt right to me. It felt good. I kept running back to it because it was the thing I knew how to do. But when I was in a prayer meeting with Christians or in a church service or somebody was talking about Jesus, I felt really uncomfortable I felt like, could you just please stop talking about that right now? It's really bothering me. But when, I, when Jesus made me a new man in him, I became alive to God and I died to sin. Just like Paul's talking about here. So when I was, it's, it's, it's now, I feel, although I still sin, I still mess up. I still, I don't, none of us live a perfect life, but we're alive to God and we're dead to sin. So now, it's here that I feel the most home. It's, in, it's when I'm worshiping him. It's when I'm spending time with him. It's when I'm doing what I know he wants me to do. It's when I'm with other Christians. I feel most at home. When I sin, I feel so uncomfortable. I feel wrong. I feel unpleased by it. I've died to sin. Why would I run back to that thing I've died to? It just brings death and destruction to me. It doesn't help me. Why would I go back? See, it's this grace that teaches me to say no to sin. It's his love for me. It's his goodness towards me. It's, it's Jesus giving himself for me that makes me realize, yeah, Jesus, it's not just because you said I have to follow you. I actually want to follow you because of what you've done for me. See it? And he also says <clears throat> that our baptism is a sign that we've died with Christ. So this old man's died He's been cut off from us the moment we believe in Jesus. But our, our baptism is a declaration that that's happened. When we go down to the water, we're saying, he's dead. Verse 4, Paul actually says, we've been buried with him in baptism. Is baptism what kills us? Is it this outward action of baptism? No. It's faith in Jesus that puts that old man to death. Baptism is a declaration he's buried. He's dead. Baptism is also a declaration that we've been raised with Christ to a new Life. Look at the second half of verse 4. That just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. This is God's hope for us. And this is God's hope for us in Christ. It's, that, it's not that we would just stop doing the old things we used to do. It's not just that we'd be forgiven and get a ticket to heaven. God's hope for us is not just that we'd kind of become Christians and then wait around the rest of our lives to get to him. But his hope for us is that we would walk in the newness of life. If you go just two chapters over Romans 8, Paul wraps up this whole conversation by saying, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because the law of the spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin and death. You see it? It wasn't good deeds. It wasn't good things. It wasn't religious activity. It was the law of the spirit of life that set us free from the law of sin and death. He goes on to say, verse four, that we believers, we don't walk according to the flesh, but we walk according to the spirit. 
That's why this Holy Spirit weekend in a few weeks is such a big deal for us because this, is, this encapsulates our entire Christian life. Christian life is not trying to just obey Jesus. It's not trying to follow the rules. It's not trying to become a better person. The Christian life is learning to walk with Jesus Christ. And that happens by his spirit. That happens by his spirit coming into us and changing us and transforming us and teaching us to walk with him. That's why we're doing this Holy Spirit weekend because we don't wanna live lives that are dependent on ourselves. We wanna live lives that are dependent upon our creator. We wanna live lives dependent upon the one who gave himself for us. We are called to walk in a newness of life. So what is baptism? Baptism is an outward expression of this inner reality that's happened to any person who's become a Christian. It's a dramatization of what Jesus has done for us by saving us through faith in his name alone. Baptism is hanging the banner and proclaiming Jesus has changed my life. That's what baptism is. There's a few questions that come with baptism. There's a few questions that come about, well, how does it work and and why does it happen and all these things. So I just wanna answer a few uh, practicals here, first thing, why should a Christ follower be baptized? First and foremost, because Jesus was baptized. He modeled it for us so that we could follow in his example. Second, because Jesus told us to be baptized. He said to us, if you, he said, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, he got his disciples together. He said, when you go out and make disciples of all the earth, next step, baptize them in my name. Now, this isn't just some to-do list. This is, this is Jesus modeling something for us. This is Jesus calling us to something. And these, there's four reasons up there, but the first two alone should be enough for us. The first two alone, to imitate him, to obey him. That should be enough for us. Also, the example of the early church. The early church, every time someone became a believer in Jesus Christ, they immediately were baptized. On the day of Pentecost, the disciples baptized every single person who became a Christian, all 3,000 plus of them. That was probably a long baptism service. Philip baptized the Ethiopian eunuch immediately after he became a Christian. The guy had to ask for it. He said, so now that I believe this, what, is there, what, can I just be baptized? Is there any reason I don't have to be? No, if you, if you believe it, get baptized. There's water over there. Handled it immediately. Other accounts in the New Testament, all through the book, Someone becomes a believer, immediately they're baptized. Also, the theological writings, uh, mainly Paul here, he just, every, almost all of his theological writings have something in there about baptism. Usually he doesn't say, guys, you really need to be baptized. Usually he just assumes that every believer has been baptized. He says things like, don't you remember your baptism? Don't you remember that you, you were buried with Christ in baptism? So why should a Christ follower be baptized? There's some real good reasons for us. Second big question, how do I know if I'm ready to be baptized? It's a great question. I I wouldn't want to be too hasty in being baptized myself. I wouldn't want to be too slow in it either. How do I know if I'm ready to be baptized? Oftentimes, and and this may be your case, you may be asking the question, you know, maybe if you have believed in Jesus, but you still feel pretty young in this whole thing, you may think, you know what, maybe I need to grow up. Maybe I need to mature a little bit as a Christian, and then I'll take the step of baptism. But Jesus lays it out really clear for us here in Matthew uh, 28. He says, guys, there's just kind of three-step. If you like processes, here's a three-step process for you. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. You guys got it up there? There we go. Thank you. So go therefore and make 
disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey all that I've commanded you. So what does he say? He says, make disciples, mark disciples, mature disciples, right? Make followers of me, mark those followers of me through through baptism, mature those followers of me through teaching them to obey me. So the question comes, well, do I need to grow up as a Christian before I get marked in baptism? Well, you don't need to grow up as a Christian before you get marked in baptism. If you are a Christian, then you can be marked in baptism. Do I need to be baptized before I become a follower of Jesus? Will that help me become a follower of Jesus? No, being baptized won't help us become a follower of Jesus. It won't make us a new person. The only way we can become a new person is by faith in Jesus. Then the immediate step is being marked as his. If you think of it like uh, like a wedding. My fingers are way too fat. I can't get my ring off, but the analogy will work still. If you think of it like a wedding, now on my, on my wedding day, I did, not, uh, I did not get married to my wife when she put the ring on my finger. I put the ring on her finger. I got married to my wife when I said to her, baby, I love you. I'll never leave you. We're, we're together forever following Jesus. And when she said that back to me, we were made one flesh. We were joined together in marriage. And then we put the rings on to identify with one another, right? We put the rings on to say, you're taken, I'm taken, we've got each other. Now, if I were to say to my wife, baby, I love you together forever. I really don't want to wear that ring thing. I just don't want people to know I'm with you. It doesn't look good on my skin tone. It's just the whole ring thing's not working for me. You know, she, she might say like, okay, tattoo it on there. You know, I don't care what you got to do. Put something, put a string around it, whatever. But if I was like, nah, I'm not going to do she would say, okay, if you're going to make these vows, you identify with me, right? In the same way in baptism, it's uncomfortable, it's scary getting in front of all these people. But if we belong to him, let us raise that banner high. Yes, I belong to Jesus. Now, another big question, uh, how should water baptism happen? Well, it should happen with a lot of water, Right? We don't, we don't practice sprinkling or pouring. I'm not going to bash that. That may make sense to some people. But when we look at the biblical uh, scriptures for baptism, what we see is it happens with a lot of water. A few quick things here. First, the, the word baptism itself, the Greek word is baptizo, which means to immerse or to plunge in water. It's got the, it's got the meaning with it of this thing would go all the way underwater, be covered by water. So the word itself Also, the examples we have in the New Testament. Every example we look at in the New Testament where they actually describe how the baptism happened, it says that they were going down into water. They were coming back up out of the water. He baptized him when they were in the the Jordan River or lake or something like that. Examples of the New Testament always had lots of water. Finally, it's, it's what baptism itself signifies. If baptism signifies us dying with Christ and being buried with him and then rising to new life, sprinkling or pouring really doesn't give us that picture. But when we have a lot of water, we dunk someone down in, we get the full picture of what baptism means for us. Now, if you were sprinkled or poured after you became a Christ follower, we're not going to say, you know, that doesn't count. It wasn't technically right. We're, we're not getting into all those things. We're just saying going forward as a church, this is how we're going to do it because we want the full picture of what Jesus has done for us. Also with lots of people watching. None of this kind of in my bathtub, on my own, baptizing myself, you know, kind of thing. We want to do it with a lot of people watching. That's how it was in the New Testament. You know, these guys getting baptized in public places like the Jordan River and 
but also for what baptism signifies. If baptism is a proclamation of what Jesus has done for us, wouldn't we want a lot of people there? Wouldn't we want a whole host of Christians there to rejoice with us? Wouldn't we want a whole host of people who don't know Jesus yet to see this picture of what Jesus is all about? Do it with lots of people watching. Because of that, a lot of people come to the conclusion Sunday morning is the best time for them to get baptized. We've got a group of people getting baptized next Sunday morning. If you'd like to be a part of that, we'd love to baptize you next week. Love to do that. Uh, who actually does the baptizing? Uh, usually church leaders, so like elders or community group leader. But it's also, it's really nice to get a friend with you, maybe who helped you come to Christ or a family member who helped you come to Christ. Let them be a part of the process. One of my favorite baptisms of all time was seeing uh, Kelsey get baptized by Alyssa and Renee both. It's just this amazing picture of, you know, Alyssa brought her to church and Renee helped her when she was first crossing the line of faith. And together they stood with her and said, yeah, you're a follower of Jesus now. We're going to baptize you. Uh, Another big question, what does water baptism achieve? Another way to say this is, what what are the direct benefits to me of being water baptized? First and foremost, the pleasure of knowing that I've imitated and obeyed Jesus. There's just no greater reason to be baptized than that. There's a few others as well, though. Secondly, the courage and boldness that come with being baptized. Many people say, after I lifted the banner of Jesus in baptism, I walked away with with a new courage to share my faith, a a new boldness to tell people, yes, I belong to him. Also, the encouragement for believers. It's one of my favorite Sundays. If you're a Christian in this room, you would probably agree with me that when you see someone baptized, your heart rejoices. You're, you're, you're almost wanting to leap for joy at what Jesus has done in this person's life. Another big one is, is the testimony to non, those who don't yet believe in Jesus. It just says so much about what he's done for us. So there's some practical questions answered about baptism. That was like a train going 100 miles an hour. Hope that was helpful. Um, For me, though, I don't want to just look at the practicalities of baptism. I don't want to just look at what baptism means. But like I said in the beginning, my heart for us today is that we would walk away really encouraged about what Jesus has done for us and what he's done in this church. 